Trigger warning. This podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. While the stories of the survivors are meant to be inspiring and informative, listener discretion is advised. If you are struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode. Something that I've always said is like, I want to move forward. I don't want to move on. I will never like be over my dad's murder. Like that's not something I'll just be like, I don't care anymore. Like that's impossible. But I want to be able to like continue moving forward with my life. And I think that that's what my dad would have wanted. I think that's what, you know, your mom would have wanted. I just think that like, there's a way to honor people we've lost without just hyper fixating on these negative, bad things that have happened to us. Hi, Survivors. I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the Survivor Squad Podcast. Yay, another episode. Here we are. Yes. We took a little time off last week and we're back full force. Yep. And now we have Madison McGee. We had a good time at CrimeCon. I also met Madison at a, what, it was a show for Lola and Megan from Trust Me Podcast. Yeah. And Megan was like, you need to connect with her. She's going to CrimeCon. She needs a friend. And so I was already texting with Madison beforehand, making friends with her and just giving her a little rundown about CrimeCon, about these true crime festivals going on. Yeah, because she was a first timer there. And she, you know, she just started her podcast and it's taken off. She's getting a lot of exposure, but of course there's another Ohioan involved, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> it has to be. You always seem to find the people from Ohio. I really do. They, we gravitate. And the funny thing is when I moved to LA, everybody I'd be on set with was all from Ohio. And then for like a decade, I didn't meet anyone from Ohio. And now I meet people from Ohio all the time again. It's it's like a it's like a circadian. It, it comes and it ebbs and flows with the Ohioans in Los Angeles. The Ohio reunion. It is an Ohio reunion. Yeah. But so she's got a really, you know, she again has a podcast with purpose. She is trying to find out who killed her dad. And, and I discovered her because she was giving out these bags at CrimeCon and said, did you kill my dad? Oh yeah. She had a great response. She was so much fun to hang out with. And CrimeCon was a lot of fun. Yay, Orlando, Florida. Oh yeah. No. And we talk about it in this episode about the good true crime community in yeah. Florida and at CrimeCon. Absolutely. Well, let's get into Madison's story, shall we? Let's get into it. love that so much and then every night at crime con i tried to like make dinner plans because i was like it's gonna be crazy here it's just madness and then you were able to join for a lot of them and then we went to the teplon grill and that was a lot of fun and then there was like someone just attending crime con that joined our table and then she became our best friend <laughs> yeah, it's like summer camp like i did not realize like I'm 28. I haven't been to camp in like 12 years. And I'm like, oh, 
now I know that I'm going to see people again next year. And like, they're going to be the same people. And like, you're, you kind of formed your like group and like, we're all going to show up with like our little camp bags next year. And we're going to be like, Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you since last summer. And like, it's just like a thing. And it's really cool. And like, yeah, you meet people <laughs> and everyone's so welcoming. Like you could sit with, I could have gone to any table and just sat down and, and people would be like, Hey, what's up? Like, it's really cool. And the world is very weird and we live in LA where people are super weird and like standoffish and whatever. It was really fun to be in an environment where like we could talk about like, I could be like, yeah, my dad was murdered and people won't be like, oh, like you've really brought down the vibes. Like people are like, oh, tell me more about that. And so it was really, it was really cool to like just be around people who are just so welcoming and so friendly. I mean, I only, I knew you kind of going in. I didn't know anyone else. And like I left with like 50 friends. So it's it's really cool. I love that. Our own little community. Yeah, truly. Um, and there are people that like I've talked to since CrimeCon and I will continue to talk to until the next CrimeCon. Like it really is like, oh, these are people who get it. And I think that's the most important thing right now when it can feel so isolating. I mean, especially for me, I'm like, investigating my dad's cold case. And some some days that can just feel super, super isolating. Like no one knows what I'm going through. No one understands. It's just feel, I feel like a weirdo. I feel like I've, I've lost friends because all I do is talk about my dead dad. Like this is like, I, I feel a little like I'm going insane. And to meet people who are like, no, 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 you can talk to us. Like we'll listen to you. And we'll go hang out with you and we won't ask you questions if you don't want to be asked questions today. And we can just go eat and hang out and it's fine. Um, it's really, really cool. Yeah. And it's like, you know, LA sometimes is the can't sit with us and then Crime Con is you can sit with us. <laughs> totally. But, yeah. Has it been a next step in the healing journey for you is just making all these other friends that have interesting stories and you know, building this community? For sure. Um, I, I feel like I left as exhausted as I was from Grime Gone. Um, I did leave feeling super rejuvenated and like I could take this on into the next phase. Um, I just wrapped up sort of part one of the podcast and I'm back into investigating and prepping for part two. And these are the moments that things can just get really daunting and like, I just can't keep doing this. Um, and I left CrimeCon almost feeling like, oh no, I have to keep going because now there's people who are writing for me and there's people who like, I'm not now just doing this. Like I was making this podcast by myself sort of for my own closure. And now it's like, oh, no, no, no. I have people who are invested with me in this and they care and they want me to solve this and they're in this with me. And if I don't finish, I'm not letting myself down. I'm now letting down like my group, my community. And I think that that really is helpful and uplifting um, because it, it's so easy to quit when nobody knows. Like if you're like, I'm going to the gym tomorrow and you don't tell anybody and then you don't go, nobody knows. Um, but now it's like, oh no, like my, my crew is writing for me. Like I have to keep going. And that made me feel really good. And it felt like part of this process that I was lacking was the community piece. And, um, 
just feeling like, well, if I don't do an episode today, who really cares? If I don't keep going, it doesn't matter to anyone. Um, and that was really sad. <laughs> so it did feel like I sort of entered into this next phase of this where now I have like people and with my story being so family centric, I've lost a lot of relationships with family over the last few years. And it feels good to sort of feel like I have like a family. I feel like that's kind of what happens sometimes when you start to speak about your story is sometimes family members may not get why you're speaking up. And it can like creates that divide of like, oh, wow, well, I don't want any part of this. And they don't understand that talking about it is moving forward with it and, you know, getting out there and getting answers for what you went through. Yeah. And also I, I, I have family members that it's like, it's completely, you know, ostracized me from them, you know, but they've been like that the whole time. Like, we don't understand why you're talking about why you had to make a movie, why you had to do this. Can't you just get on with your life? And it's like, your mom wasn't murdered. Sorry. Your dad wasn't murdered. Sorry. And he weren't lied about You, you know what I mean? And you guys just got to do it for you. And I'm glad you found support in our community. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so grateful. And yeah, it's it's so difficult when people don't understand your healing process and how you are sifting through information and how you process things. Um, and a lot of people do really want things just to go away. And um, it's tough because you want to be respectful of them and their healing process as well, but still honoring your own. And so there's this big contradiction there and it's very conflicting, but I think for me, um, just honoring, you know, what, what's best for me and doing that has been really helpful, but it has been tough when you know that people don't support that. Yeah. What are other ways that you have been able to move forward in your healing journey other than investigating things and creating a podcast and, you know, the survivor community now? Yeah. I mean, I think sort of a byproduct of the podcast was there were two really big ones was one learning a little bit more about my dad as a person. Um, you don't really hear about, you know, your parents like going out in college and like hanging out with their friends and kind of what they're really like. Like I think about like all the stories I would never tell my children about me and my escapades. And so to be able to learn about my dad a little bit more um, has been really cool because I didn't get to know him as an adult. And so it feels like we get to sort of have this weird relationship now um, because I'm getting to know a little bit more about his personality and things like that. And that's been really fun and exciting and, um, a big part of the healing process. And then also reconnecting with my sister who was on the podcast. Um, I interview her, she was in the house when my dad was murdered and she was older. She was 16 at the time. So we really lost touch after the funeral. We like didn't see each other for 20 years. And so we reconnected in person last year and I got to meet her kids. She has three kids and one of them looks exactly like me. It's very funny. And just getting to like, feel like I have, I mean, I have nieces and a nephew and I have a sister and like, I grew up sort of as an only child. So to have that now has been really wonderful. And 
I think when you meet like your own family members, you learn so much about your own self. Like I think about like learning about my dad, he was super anxious and he struggled with depression and like his mannerisms mimic mine. But like, I don't know that because I never really got to know him as an adult. And so I'm learning a lot about myself while learning about him. I'm meeting my family, like hanging out with my sister. We talk a lot. Like it's been really special um, to sort of have this life that I never got to live. Um, and that's been really wonderful. And I think it's restoring a lot for me. And that's been really part of this healing process. You know, that's the, the interesting thing is like when I made a murder in Mansfield and I started doing my podcast like a year and change ago, I had so many people that have reached out to me that were, that knew my mother or that were relatives that never knew what happened to me, but they were like distance, distant relatives that told these wonderful stories about my mom that I never knew. And that was just this really wonderful sort of sense of closure. And I'm so excited that you have that going on for you because it's such an amazing part of your healing journey. I can't tell you. Yeah. It's been really, really special. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I've, gotten to talk to like my dad's friends and it's been really cool. Uh, this life that I never got to live and people that maybe I would have called like aunt and uncle and cause they were really close to my dad, like people I never really got to meet meeting them now. It's been really, really cool. I love that so much. And is there anything else you would want to share for someone maybe that is dealing with a cold case right now? Yeah. I mean, I think, it's worked for me, but be super persistent and super loud and all the things that people tell you you shouldn't be, like in this case, you have to. Um, it's really tough. Cold cases are tough because, I mean, it's it can feel like there's just no hope and there's just nothing that you can do. And a lot of the responsibility really does lie in the hands of like officials. So police, prosecutors, um, they make a lot of these decisions. I could find all the evidence in the world. And if the prosecutor's office chooses not to do anything about it, there's nothing I can do. So for me, something that's helped me mentally while I'm doing this is understanding upfront what is enough for me. At what point will I feel like I've done enough? And that's my benchmark. And that way, if I don't hit higher than that, I'm still happy with what I did. And for me, that was just knowing what happened. If nothing comes of it in court, if no justice is ever served, if I go to bed at night and know what happened to my dad and who did it and why they did it, that will be enough for me because that's what's in my control. I can read through the files. I can go knock on doors. I can go talk to these people. I can figure it out. And that has to be enough for me. Now, I would love for it to go to trial and for something to happen, and that would be extra and that would be great. But I had to decide in the beginning what would be enough so that I didn't set myself up for this incredibly emotionally taxing journey and then end up with disappointment at the end, because I don't think I could live with myself if that was my mentality. And so I went in with that. I just want to find out what happened. So I think knowing if you're going to dive into a cold case, especially if it's family and the nuances that come with that, what's the goal? Know what it is and make sure it's something that's completely in your own control. Because there's so many factors at play here that are complete. If they didn't collect enough evidence, 
that's not in your control. If they didn't swipe for DNA, that's not in your control. You can't change that. You can't do anything about that. And you can sit and spiral about it for years, but there's nothing you can do about it. So what can you do and do those things? And for me, that was, I can put pressure on them. I can call them and ask them what they have every single day. I can read through the files. I can try to find names. I can try to get contact info. I can do all of those things. And so really focusing on that, I think has been helpful and letting go of the things that are out of my control. That's a great answer. Also, you know, what was really key is like detaching yourself from that outcome. That's the thing you have to do is you have to find out what, what what's going to work for you and get you through and be like, okay, that's enough. Like for me, I'm good, you know, um, because at the end of the day, you'll never get closure in that, in that way. Like nothing will ever be good enough. Even if my father admitted to murdering my mother, like then I'm going to want to know more and more and more and more. So you have to sort of say, that's enough for me. And that's what can let me sleep at night. And I think a lot of people have, have trouble understanding that or, or sometimes will chastise you for like, why didn't you get more? Why didn't you get this? Why is that good enough for you? And it's like, because you don't live through it, man. Like you don't know. Yeah. I mean, and it's, con you'll constantly, I mean, I think about the people who hyperfixate on cases and it will just eat you alive forever. And I think about that with myself. I mean, I'm 28 years old. Do I want to be 45, 50, still talking about my dad's case? And I didn't get this answer. And I still don't know this. Like, do I want to be like frazzled and thinking about that? Definitely not. I want to know what happened. I want to solve this case. And then I want to be able to like take that, feel some closure and move forward with my life um, and help other people if that is what is down the road for me. But I don't want to be like waking up in the middle of the night paranoid that I didn't get the answer to this one thing and like it just eating away at my relationships and my personal life. And I, I don't want that for me. You don't. And you don't want to be 45 thinking about that. <laughs> Trust me. You want to find a way to, to move past it and, and say, this is good enough for me. And then, and then the next part is talking about and sharing that story to impact the other people. Yeah, 100%. In defense of the 45-year-old to still talk about it. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, I think that's like the point, right? It's like you, if you never get through it, you can't help other people through it. And like what you're doing, it's like saying, look, I made it, I made it to the other side. And now like this is giving people like me hope that I won't be frantic for answers the older I get, that there is a way to like, move forward, not move on. And I think that that's so important. And like what you have done and like what Tara is doing, it's, it's so vital for people like me to see that you're not still hyper fixated on like, well, what was John thinking? And what was like, what was he doing? You have been able to move forward with your life and be that example for what it looks like to be on the other side of it. And I think that that is like, so invaluable, especially in this community. Um, and I think to your point, it's funny that other people are the ones hyper fixated on those things and trying to get into the details and what really happened and what was he really thinking? And you're like, I'm good. I'm moving forward with my life. Yeah. There are other things about me that this isn't my only identifier. And I'm a person, I'm a complex person. 
and I have other interests and other talents and other skills. And this is how you do that. This is how you move forward. Absolutely. But for the meantime, you'll talk about the true crime stuff. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. But I think showing is like it's leading by example, right? And Tara and I get chastised about this. This is why I'm talking about this. I know you're you're probably starting to face that too. Is why are you talking about? Why are you sharing so much? People think you're oversharing, and you're like, and for me, I sometimes internalize that. We we internalize that one bad comment that comes from this person saying you're a bad person because you didn't do this. I you can't want to say that you're over it, but you're not over it because you keep talking about it, and you're going. I'm sharing it because there's there's a thousand other messages to your one of people saying, thank you for sharing that. You give me hope. The way that you've dealt with this makes me feel like I won't be sitting the rest of my life spiraling out of control, trying to understand why this happened to me, living in a victim mentality, not confronting my demons, not helping other people, not moving forward, being a burden on society instead of being an asset. And you've taught me how to do that, right? And that's, I think, why we all are doing this. Hey, you can be a productive person and, and active in society and you don't have to let your circumstances dictate who you become right? 100%. And I think something that I've always said is like, I want to move forward. I don't want to move on. I will never like be over my dad's murder. Like that's not something I'll just be like, I don't care anymore. Like that's impossible. But I want to be able to like continue moving forward with my life. And I think that that's what my dad would have wanted. I think that's what, you know, your mom would have wanted. I just think that like, there's a way to honor people we've lost without just hyper fixating on these negative, bad things that have happened to us and utilize them in ways that other people can't because they've never been through them. And I think about the people, my circumstance and yours is both of yours as well is so nuanced that it's going to be really hard to find someone who's been through exactly the same thing as you. But I think about the people who have been through something not even remotely close to what I've been through. And they're like, yeah, I have a really complicated relationship with my mom too. And you have helped me through that. And that's not even something that I like focus on. But I think by sharing these like intricate details of my life, that's come up. And that's been the thing that's helped them. And I've actually been pretty surprised by the parts that people have pulled from my story that they've been really inspired by because it is very much about my dad's murder. But not a lot of people can relate to that. But they can relate to these other factors of my life. And so I think it's really important to overshare if you're capable. Not everyone wants to do this and not everyone should. And that's totally fine. We all process differently. But if I'm able to do that and it's helping people, by all means, I will overshare till I'm blue in the face. If you find that one thing that you relate to and you're like, whoa, like I get it now and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I love to overshare where sometimes Collier's like, Tara, that's too much. <laughs> I, I don't know if I do that I because I'm an oversharer too. And well, like, I, I just will say like random things and you're like, Tara, maybe don't say that. <laughs> Balance. Balance. But it's great. It's great. I need that check. Like my dad's even said, Tara, like um, you overshared a little too much about the family. You know, you need to reel it back. So I'm just an overshare, you know, and I call your is too. But like call I am call your even says that I need to hone it in sometimes. <laughs> I don't ever say that you overshare. I say sometimes you might 
might not want to say certain things. <laughs> like <laughs> you might not want to express that because usually you might be angry or upset and you're like, I'm going to say this. And I'm like, maybe just let's tone it down a little bit. <laughs> I think it's also important to overshare a lot of the times because whenever I will be like, oh, I'm feeling this way, then one of my girlfriends will be, oh my gosh, I'm feeling the same way. I had this experience. And then it normalizes that feeling of like, I felt so alone in feeling this. And then now I don't. And because you have your podcast, you can connect more people together and connect their stories because everybody's stories connected in some sort of way, even if like your dad wasn't killed or, you know, your mom wasn't murdered or, you know, you didn't take down Dirty John per se. Yeah, 100%. I think that we all have this weird shared experience all at the same time. Like we all, you know, went to high school or we all walk on two legs and like we all have this like shared experience. Now, the way we see the world is very different because of what we've lived through. Yeah. But like there's similarities with everyone. And I feel like you can always find common ground with people, even when you think you can't. And I think that that's where our power is, is finding that common ground. And for, for us in what we're sharing, that's trauma. And so when you're sharing your trauma, sometimes you find common ground with other people and their trauma. And I think that that there's really a lot of power in that because yeah, it's one thing to be like, Oh, your favorite color is yellow. Me too. But it's another thing to be like, (laughs) Oh, like you experienced this as a kid. Me too. And like you build this like bond and this, it's really special to just see. I mean, I, I didn't have a lot of people to look up to growing up that looked like me or had any lived experience like me. So I almost feel like even if I didn't want to be doing this and sometimes I don't, this responsibility that I have to because there wasn't anyone like me and now there is. And so it's something I just don't take lightly. And I I do bear that responsibility um, very proudly. And it's something that's really important to me just to be an example and show people that while I'm currently in the thick of it, when I get to the other side, like you better believe I'll be doing what you all are doing. And like, telling everyone about it because it's so important. Well, I think that's the perfect note to end on. Where can we find you on social media? Where can we find your podcast? Yeah, Ice Cold Case is available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, We're at Ice Cold Case on Instagram and TikTok. um, And I'm Madison underscore McGee on literally everything. Um, And yeah, I'm, I'm out in the world just telling people about my dead dad god bless madison i always say to tara that we are all a part of a squad that no one really wants to be a part of but we are all a part of the survivor squad madison mcgee thank you so much for joining the program thank you thank you for having me well wow madison's story is her story of trying to reconcile this and this is incredible what she's doing yeah no i love how she's just created this podcast and she's investigating everything now she's learning about everything now and it's a lot to process i can't even imagine what it's like to find out something that you thought was a heart attack was actually a murder people who've gone through this type of trauma 
or are trying to learn about the history of their family and they get just blindsided by information. And then, and I feel for Madison in that way. I just thought it was funny too, because before this call even, we were talking about, oh my gosh, we're, did you work on Big Brother? And she didn't work on Big Brother, but she's friends with a lot of people that were on Big Brother. And Madison is just so cool. She is in Florida, I think, right now, or just traveling somewhere. That's a tough gig, by the way. Like that's, you know, I, I worked as a field producer. That's that's a lot. You know, it's you're on the road a lot. You're putting out fires every step of the way. But she's done an amazing job. She created an amazing podcast, and we were so grateful to have her on the show. We hope you guys enjoyed her her story. Yeah. So you guys should check out her podcast, Ice Cold Case. Go, you know, if you guys know anything, because Collier knows a lot of people from Ohio. There might be more tips. Yeah, we'll check it out. We will have links to Madison's uh, podcast, Ice Cold Case, in the show notes of today's episode. And until next time, survivors, I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the Survivor Squad podcast. We'll see you guys. The Survivor Squad podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider supporting this program by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Squad.